page 31 in your Bibles, Genesis 37, as we continue our study through the book of Genesis. Looking at the anger of Joseph's brothers that they had for Joseph. Children, do you remember God's word to Cain when he grew angry against his brother Abel? What did he say to to Cain? He said, sin is crouching at your door, but you must master it. You must rule over it. Its desire is for you, or its desire, it could be translated, is against you, but you must rule over it. What happens when we let sin fester? Well, it grows. And yet what God says to us is, says to us is this. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He wants us to fight against sin. He wants us to turn from wickedness. Joseph's brothers needed help. Their anger had gotten to such a point that they were ready to murder their brother. It was only Reuben's word that kept them from carrying out their plan. And as we'll see, Judah's suggestion to sell him into, uh, to, the, to these traitors that came along. So we looked last week of Joseph coming to his brothers. We pick up the reading of God's word in verse 23, where Joseph <coughs> then comes to his brothers. Give attention to the reading of God's own holy word this morning. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the special robe that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. That's suggesting that if it would have been, uh, that he was, he didn't drown. That's why we have those words there. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and the brothers drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? And they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood, and they sent a special robe and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. And he identified it. And said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, no, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him, that is Joseph, in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. This is the word of God. The people of God, we have a tough situation here. 
Reuben says, let's not kill him, let's throw him in a pit. And, that, and everybody agrees. Well, yeah, that, that's better. And that, that's how bad the situation had become. Let's not kill him, but instead let's throw him into a pit. Let's, let's dispose of our brother. When, when Joseph comes to his brothers, they won't even talk to him. They, when they see him coming, they, they make this plan. I, we don't even want to greet him. We don't even want to see his face. When he gets here, we're, we're going to kill him. And Reuben says, no, 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 let's not do that. Let's just, let, there's this pit, there's this cistern, this water catcher over here. Let's put him in there. They grab him, they take him, they strip him of his robe and throw him into this pit. And I want us to understand something. They believe they're showing mercy to him in this because they're not doing what they planned to do to him. So it is with sin. Sin reasons, well, listen, it could have been worse what I did to you. I could have done what I, what I really wanted to do was much worse. So you can be thankful that I didn't carry out my plan. Now, we ought to stop and say, yeah, that's, that's how we ought to think about sin when, it, uh, uh, when we're tempted to say it's going to drive us to a place where we will reason that anything short of laying our hands upon someone and murdering them is merciful, is good. Sin has a way of reasoning, which the scriptures say is poisonous. Well, I want to ask a question. How did Joseph respond? What did he say to the brothers? What does it say there? What's he, what did he say? It doesn't record his words, does it? Does that strike you as odd? Do you think he was silent? Throw him in the pit? Well, okay, I guess this is over. I'm going to just sit here, not say anything. Well, we know that he said something because later on when the brothers recounted this event, when they remembered the event, when they were before Joseph, though they did not know it was Joseph, they said, ah, yes, we are are now guilty for our brother, for we threw him into a pit. He was distressed in soul, begging for deliverance, and we would not listen to him. That's really what happened in this event. Why do you think this is recorded this way? It's recorded this way because, as we see first this morning, sin is deafen, is, 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 is a deafening. It deafens us to, it makes us deaf to what's going on around us. The brothers are so deep in sin in their hearts that they are deaf to the cries of their brother. We can be so deep in our sin, so, so deaf in our sin that we don't hear God's word and we don't hear the needs of those around us. We won't hear what we should hear. We won't listen to what others say. Joseph's brothers were deaf to their brother's cries, to the word of God in this very serious matter. They're ready to murder him until Reuben says, no, no, let's, let's, uh, let's just throw him into a pit. Hardly comforting when Judah comes up with an alternate plan and says, you know what, let's, let's, not, let's not kill him, let's just sell him. There's profit in that. It's hardly comforting. And that's where they're at. That's where the brothers are at. Didn't want blood on his hands. Well, 
Brothers and sisters, we should stand back and say, well, this is, this is what sin looks like. We should be, we should be horrified by this. We should, be, we should be appalled that they would act this way, and we should be appalled when we act this way. When we rationalize and say, well, I, I could do something much worse, so this must not be as bad, so this is therefore not, therefore it's, it's okay. They still wanted Joseph out of the picture. They never wanted to see him again. So great was their hatred. Well, when sin captures our hearts, we become deaf to it. We don't hear God's perfect word of correction. It's what happens when civilization gets swallowed up by sin. There's no longer any discernment between good and evil. Sin destroys civilization. No one's safe. It begins with the weakest. They're endangered first, but then when sin takes over, everyone's in danger. Who can you trust? Do you have enough protection? Are you as strong as you think you are? Or is there someone stronger lurking around the corner? Because after all, we say it's survival of the fittest. That's where we come. That's how sin reasons. That's how sin thinks. Instead of recognizing there's a deep-rooted poison, there's a deep-rooted problem here that needs to be removed in order for civilization to thrive and to flourish. I want us to think about Cain as it pertains to deafness. What did Cain do? He refused to listen to God when God said to him, sin is crouching at your door, you must master it. He Refused him. He killed his brother. And what does God do? He comes to him. He says, what have you done? And what does he say to Cain? He says, the voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me. And what does Cain say? Nothing. He didn't hear it. he's, he's, He's deaf to what he's done. He's dead to what he's done. God comes to him and says, the voice, I hear it. I see it. I see what's happened. Think about how sin can make you deaf to God's word. It's easy to rationalize sinful behavior if you're not submitted to the word of God. Sin says, me first. What do I want out of this situation? What am I going to get? What's what's my goal? Me first. I'm looking at this. I'm sizing this up and thinking, well, where can I fit in a way that's favorable to me? That's deadly because God has called us to live for him and for others. Well, Joseph's brothers had had enough of him. They had enough of their father and his favoritism. And Jacob was certainly not without fault in all of this, but the issue is how they treated, how they were going to receive their brother. They certainly should have received him. They had made the decision to do what they should have known was wrong, and the ugliness of their sin builds as we read on. Because after they sold Joseph, they could have rejected their plan to tell their father that Joseph had had been killed, right? Because they didn't know they didn't know what was going to happen to Joseph. They sold him to the traders, but they they stick with the plan. They say, "Well, he's he's dead." They didn't need to follow through with that plan, but they did. They were deaf to the grief that this caused their father. They were unmoved by the grief that this announcement caused. They're unmoved by it, as we see later on in the passage. But they thought themselves rather 
rather clean of any lies because what they do is they send the the robe on to their father and they ask him, is this the robe of your son? And they let him draw the conclusion. They didn't want to follow through and actually proclaim him dead. That would be a lie. So they they simply send that robe ahead and then they come behind and they say, well, what do you you make of this? And, And Jacob, of course, says it's the robe of my son and he has certainly been devoured by wild animals. How troubling this is. They knew whose robe it was. It's the robe they hated. He's wearing the robe. It reminds them that their father favors him and that they knew whose robe it was. But the fact that they asked their father to identify it seems calculated to create as much hurt as they could in this situation. And we have to understand that, brothers and sisters, that sin harms us and it hurts others. It harms us. It deadens in us what God would want to make alive. Deadens us to the godly character that God would have us develop so that we might be of help to others in this broken and hurting world. Well, the brothers are not yet totally deaf or dead in sin. They listened to Reuben. They accepted Judah's plan, verse 27 tells us. But we still must recognize that they wanted Joseph gone forever. And in this, there is a deafness that does not compute, does not follow God's word. Notice the determination of sin, secondly, this morning. The Bible teaches us over and over, if we do not keep our hearts guarded against sin, we can quickly get caught up in justifying our sin and pressing on in it. Guard your heart, for from it are the wellsprings of life. Guard your heart from all that which which the world would seek to impress upon you, which your own flesh would seek to do, because from your heart proceeds your actions. We say, well, no, it's the situation or it's that person or it's that issue. It's our heart where we find the source of our actions. Guard your hearts. The brothers did not see their hearts as the problem. They, they saw Joseph as the problem. You can imagine what they told each other. You know, no one's going to get the farm until this guy's removed, until this guy's out of the way. He's dad's favorite. There's no way we're going to get our hands on this. It's better for everybody if he's gone. I want you to think about this. Something as basic as ingratitude leads us on the path to such Actions. Something as basic as ingratitude. What did the brothers had have? They had their father's flocks. They had. Uh, they were watching over their father's uh, uh, possessions, and yet what they what they didn't have was Joseph's favor. Now there's something to be said for that, and we could talk about that, but I'm not going to this morning. Joseph's favoritism. They wanted their their father's acceptance, but they, what they really wanted is they wanted all the stuff that came with it. A special robe, as it identified that, those uh, extras. What happens when we are ungrateful? 
for what we have, and we begin to covet what others have. We, we, want, we wish they weren't around. We think, well, they're the problem. It's not my heart. It's not my, it's not my ingratitude that's a problem. It's, it's that person. It's that situation. Well, they're determined in their sin. They're, they're not going to give up. They've got a plan. They're going to, to carry it out. They, it, it's modified a bit to, to make them feel less guilty. But nevertheless, they, they're determined to see Joseph removed. Sin never settles. It, it spreads. The sinner wants everybody to agree with him and to endorse his sin. Notice that here. The brothers needed full agreement for this sin to remain hidden. That's the only way sin can press on. If everyone goes along, there's no dissent. Then people become hardened in sin and consciences become seared. A culture such as ours, deep in sin, refuses to accept silence as enough. Culture pressing on in Full-blown rebellion wants full agreement, full commitment, full support to all the mechanisms used to press sin forward to assure that it will succeed. Brothers and sisters, Satan is determined to defeat truth, determined to destroy the church, God's people. The world is determined in its attacks. Are you determined in your living for the Lord? Are you determined when it appears as though your voice isn't being heard, as Joseph's there in the pit, doesn't, it appears as though his voice isn't being heard. Are you determined, nevertheless, to cry out to God and to seek his face and to live for him? The opposition is great, but God is greater. We must be strong and courageous to live out the truth as The people were advised when they were going into the promised land many years later. And Joshua spoke to them, calling them to be strong and courageous, to live out the truth, to be determined to speak and to live out the truth as the enemy is, as determined as the enemy is in pressing forward with his plans. We need the Lord. We need each other. We need to act in accord with the truth. The word of God must not depart from our mouths. We must meditate upon it. We must do it. We must be careful to do it. Sometimes we may feel like Joseph crying out, not being heard, but God does hear and God does deliver. One of the means for strength is believing community. So valuable for us to study God's word together. To do so abundantly, not just sparsely. To look for ways in which we can be engaged in that study of God's word together throughout the week. Not going it alone. As we read in Hebrews, we are to speak encouragement that we might avoid the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another every day, Hebrews 3.13 says. Exhort one another every day that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's the determination that we have. That we carry out because we love the Lord and we love one another. Well, we've 
seeing the deafness of sin, the determination of sin, we must also talk about the defeat of sin. Joseph's brothers thought they had gotten rid of their brother, but God, who is sovereign over the plans of men, was shaping Joseph for a bigger stage. Very often he does that in times of of pressure, of, of stress upon his people. He's preparing them for greater service, for greater position. He's shaping Joseph, and he now put his man in Egypt. He has his man in Egypt. God was not deaf to Joseph's cries, though the brothers had said to their father, well, he's, he's, he's dead, he's gone. We know differently. Though Jacob would declare that he was going to grieve him until his last breath, we know that there is There is hope beyond death. Where do we go with our sin and our sadness? Where do we go with our grief and with our guilt? Jacob was right to grieve when he thought Joseph was dead, but he missed an opportunity to show what it looks like to be thankful for the blessings that he yet had to give thanks for his son's safe return. The fact that he doesn't acknowledge his other sons is hurtful to them. He doesn't know what to do in his loss, and this needs to be addressed. Reuben's words are important to us there. They're identifiers, or they're they're something we should point out. Notice what Reuben says when he comes back looking for Joseph in the the pit, and he, he says, the boy is gone, and where shall I go? He knows the consequence of this, that if he does not bring his brother back to his father, there will be great consequences. Where where shall I go, he says. Now, apparently the brothers didn't tell him what they had decided to do with Joseph because he says, where the boy's gone, and they don't respond. They they don't say anything. They say, well, he's gone, but he's in Egypt. He's, He's with the traitors. They don't say anything. So Reuben is beside himself. He's not clear as to what's happening. And what's set before us here in this passage is the results of sin. There's grief, there's guilt, grief over death, guilt over sin. Where do we go with our guilt? What do we do in our grief? Well, think about for a moment the parallels between Joseph and Jesus. Joseph, or Jacob rather, thinks Joseph is dead and he's devastated. Think about the disciples when they thought Jesus was dead. They were devastated. Their grief consumed them. They were left frightened and hiding in a a room. But God had greater plans. Joseph's brothers think their plan has worked. They think Joseph's out of the picture. But they don't know of God's greater plans. Plans to deliver from death, to deliver even them in their sin from death. When the disciples thought Jesus was dead, they were despairing. As I said, they hid, but God had greater plans. God's plans overrule the sinful acts of men. And when we look at the full counsel of God, when we see all of the hardship and the difficulty, we also recognize that God has a plan that turns even 
these things to good. Just when evil seems to win, the sinner thinks that he is the victor. God reveals his greater power. When God opens our eyes to our sin and to our guilt, we have that thought, where can I go? Who can help me? And the Son of God says, come, for I have given myself for you. I have provided sacrifice for your sin. Believe in me and live. Come to the table as we're going to do tonight. Believe in me. Do not grieve. Do not be lost in your guilt. Grief and guilt are dealt with at the cross and with the empty tomb. Death is not stronger than Christ. Guilt's, or sin's guilt is not greater than his sacrifice. Jesus was delivered over for our trespasses, was raised to life for our justification. That we may be declared righteous before God. Our Father no, shows no favoritism. He calls all people to turn from sin and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message of hope that we share with those who have grief, and those who deal with Despair of guilt. Those who are despairing of what's happening in the world today. Evil seems to be winning, but God has already declared there is victory in his Son. He offers new life to all in Christ. He turns us. He can turn us from our sin. Sin destroys community, but God has sent that sin destroyer to bring life, to rescue from sin's curse and power. God put his man in Egypt in preparation for a great plan of deliverance for his people many thousands of years ago. And then, many years later, he put his man on earth that that man might deliver people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. For he is that man now in heaven. When we see this and we think of all the plans and of the, 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 the thought that went into this and the number of minds that are working on this plan and trying to keep it a secret, and yet God overrules it, we are reminded again that our God is greater than all of man's deceptions, all of his planning. We know that he has a plan to deliver Grief and guilt do not have the last word. Sin is defeated. And God's people can reflect upon their great and glorious God in heaven who saves everlastingly. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think about this passage of Scripture, we see sin's deafness, we see its determination, but we also see your plan to defeat it and the certain victory in your Son. We come to you and we give thanks that you have delivered us, that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Help us, Lord, to be determined to live a holy life, to be determined to fight against sin, and to find hope and peace in the confidence that it Sin has already been defeated. Lord, as we think about coming to the table tonight, make us mindful that our sins have been paid for in full. That the grief that we 
so often carry will be followed by joy. For we know your son yet lives and reigns at your right hand. So send us forth with joy and with thanksgiving today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.